it's a pleasure to be here. Um, as Pastor Brett said, uh, my wife and I have been attending here since January. We, uh, we decided to make this our home church because it felt like home. It felt like what we had grown up in um, all our lives. I apologize. I'm going to get this thing fixed before I throw it out the window. Um, but it is a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Pastor Brett, I told him he about started preaching my sermon for me out of Mark chapter 9. But um, I just felt when I was standing over there during worship, I felt like somebody this week, the, the enemy has taken your worship for, from you. And, you know, this has been a challenging week for some, regardless of how you voted. If your candidate won, your candidate lost. I'm here to tell you that doesn't change that God has called you to be a worshiper. And so some of you this week, you were standing here and you were experiencing the freedom that Pastor Cody and them were singing about. But what doesn't change is tomorrow when you get up and you got to go to work or you get on social media, hopefully you'll stay off for a while. But when you see what is in front of you at work tomorrow, or maybe in your family, or whatever, it doesn't change the fact that God has called you to be a worshiper. But the devil, I feel, has stolen some of your worship this week. He's stolen it from you because you have been living in fear. You've been living in worry. What if you've asked the question, what if, and God's looked at you and goes, what if I haven't changed? Because we truly believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Am I right? Amen. And so God is not caught off guard by what is going on in our country. He hasn't been caught off guard since the beginning of the first president. He hasn't been caught off guard by anything. You have. You've let it worry you. You've let it cause you to fear. But God, God's not surprised by anything. And the thing that cannot change this morning is God's called you to be a worshiper. Amen. I'll tell you a quick story. Some of you have heard this maybe uh, before, but there was a professor and he was teaching a class at a, at a seminary school and one of the students, he came in and one of the very first classes that he taught was on preaching and how to, how to preach and how to properly put together a sermon. And so in this class, one of the very first days of the class, the professor got up and he said, all right, I want you to go home over the weekend and I want you to prepare a message of what you would preach to your church or preach to this class. And he said, but the main thing I want you to do is I want you to think of a title. I want you to think of a title for your sermon. I want it to be really good and really catchy. And there was a young man sitting on the back row and he could tell by looking at him, he was very just confused and caught off guard by what he was asking. And so when he dismissed class, the guy came down and he was one of the last ones out, and the professor said, you, you kind of seem puzzled. You just had this look about you. You didn't understand what I was asking. And he said, well, I don't know. He said, I know I'm young, but I just get up in my church on Sundays and preach. I don't really have a title. I don't really, you know, get into all that. And he goes, well, he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go home this weekend. He said, I want you to imagine that you're preaching at church on Sunday, and your title is out front on the marquee, and it's promoting your message for that Sunday. And he said, okay, well, I mean, we don't, I, I can do that, but I still don't fully grasp. He goes, well, he said, let me put it this way. He said, I want you to think of a title for your sermon that is so catchy, so attractive, that if a bus full of people were traveling through your town on a Sunday morning, that it would literally stop them in their tracks and cause them to get off the bus and come in the church. He said he looked a little puzzled for a minute, but he said he went on and that weekend went by and that Monday he came back in the classroom and he said, 
he walked in just kind of beaming and glowing and he said, the, uh, the professor looked at him and said, well, did you, did you do what I asked you to do? And he said, oh yeah, he said, I got it, it's perfect. And he said, the professor kind of looked a little stunned, like, really, was it that easy? He goes, yeah, he goes, I got the perfect sermon title. He said, you told me if somebody was traveling through our town on a bus full of people that the title needed to be so catchy that it would stop the bus in its tracks and people would come inside. He said, okay, what was your title? He said, there's a bomb on your bus. <laughs> and I say that because this morning I walked in the back and was giving Leslie my scripture. She goes, what's the title of your sermon? I realized, I don't really guess I had one. So I had to think of a title back there while we were talking. But the question I wanna ask you this morning, for the next couple minutes, the, the topic we're gonna talk about is uh, the subject, All In. And the Lord has been challenging me the past couple months, the past couple weeks especially, to go all in in my relationship with him. And I wanna challenge you as we talk this morning, what does it look like for you to go all in in your relationship? And you may be sitting there thinking, well, I'm, I go to church on Sundays, I go to church on Wednesdays, I'm good, you know, I, I kinda pray every now and then, but how many of you believe there's more? How many of you believe there's more than just that? And so I'll tell you a quick personal story. Me and my sister used to grow up, when we were growing up, we used to go to the beach with my mama and papa. And when I was a, probably 13 years old, we went to the beach uh, around New Year's. And obviously at Myrtle Beach at New Year's, typically it was cold, but this particular year it was really warm around New Year's, so they had the outdoor pool open. And I remember we were sitting out by the pool and my grandparents were sitting there and the place was packed. I mean, people were just sitting out enjoying the weather, enjoying the water um, at the beach, but nobody was in the pool. And I remember being the typical brother I am, I was probably sitting in my chair about right here and the edge of the pool was probably where the edge of the stage is. And my sister got up, and how many of you have ever done this before? You test the water, you put your foot down and kind of sweep it a little bit to feel if it's cold. Some of you are like, no, I'll fall in if I do that. But one of the things that she did, I caught her off guard and she kind of swept her foot to the pool and she had her back to me. And I went, man. And I didn't even get a chance to think. I just walked up like this and I just shoved her in. Well, she's about six foot tall and the pool was probably about three and a half feet deep. I'm not sure why, but she sunk like a submarine. She went straight down in the water and my sister is very animated. That's a nice word for saying dramatic. And so she started jumping up and down and she was flailing all over the place. And she was screaming, she was hooting and hollering. And I remember my mama, she's sitting there, she's trying not to laugh, but she's getting a little tickled. Well, I'm sitting there, well, the whole pool is just covering their mouth laughing. My sister, instead of jumping out of the pool, she was animated for a couple seconds and screaming and squalling. When she finally got out, my mama looked at me and she goes, you know what your punishment is? I said, no. She goes, you're gonna let her push you in. I said, okay. And uh, I played the whole cool, like I'm gonna kill your joy kind of card. Like I'm not gonna let you have the same joy that I had. So she, I said, okay, I'll walk up to the edge. She pushes me in. Well, when I go in, I'm taller than her. I go up to about my shins and I'm like, okay. My mama goes, no. She goes, was my sister. She goes, he didn't get wet, he just got his legs wet, he's not fully wet, he got soaked, and I was like, well, I'm smart, I didn't sink like you did and act ridiculous. My mama looks and she goes, all the way in. I said, I said, okay. So I went down, up to my neck, she goes, no. She goes, go under. 
So I went under and I got out and I dried myself off. And I, 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 man, I kept a, kept a stone cold face. I acted like it wasn't a big deal. It was freezing. It was freezing. But one of the things that, as I was preparing this week that God spoke to me is he said, some of you were into your feet. Some of you have gotten up to your knees and you're looking at the people that have jumped all in when it comes to their relationship with the Lord. And you're going, why don't I have that? Why can't I experience that? What's going on? And he's looking at you going, you didn't go all in. You're not there. You're not all in yet. You haven't submerged in the fullness of God and you see this on Sunday morning. You see people down here worshiping and raising their hands and you're going, that's just not me and God's going, but that's me and I need you to go all in in order for you to experience the fullness of God, amen? amen. And so one of the things that we do is um, we will go all in in certain areas. We go through fads and we go through phases and I wrote a couple of them down. I remember my wife actually got me into hunting. I'll give her credit for that one thing. She got me into hunting when we were living in Charlotte about 12 years ago. And I remember I went and I bought everything. I bought everything. I bought the clothes. I bought the gear. And I, I was missing, though, I was missing a rifle. <laughs> I was missing a gun. Anybody ever went hunting without a gun? Doesn't make, Greg, come on now. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to go hunting without the proper ammunition. And so over the past couple months and even the past couple years, I looked and I said, you know, if we're going to go, if I'm going to be a full out hunter, I've got to go all in. I've got to buy a crossbow. I need to buy a muzzleloader because I'm shorting myself not having those of the fullness of the season that is allotted to me. And so I have officially went all in as a hunter. I've bought all the gear. I have everything I need to cooperate and go through all the seasons. And so, but some of you, we go through other seasons as well. We go through phases of going all in. For some of you, um, you're going to be quick to buy the latest iPhone, the newest iPhone. That's something that you're probably going to keep with, up with. And, you know, women sometimes, and men, I'm not going to leave men out, but you keep up with the latest fad in clothing. And then health and fitness, man, it's a moneymaker because one of the things that they do is they constantly leave you hanging on the edge of this is the next greatest thing. This is the next greatest shape. This is the next greatest diet supplement. This is the next greatest health peel or health this. And so it's smart. But what happens is, you know, if any, I'm not picking on you, but if any of you have ever done this, they come to you and they go, somebody approaches you and go, hey, you know, if you're gonna come into this business, you can buy the starter kit. And the starter kit comes with this, this, and this, but there's always a but, right? But if you're gonna do, do that, you're gonna have some stuff, but you're not gonna have it all. You need the advanced kit. Some of you are looking at your wives like, mm-hmm. You know, you know what he's talking about. And some of you are saying, yeah, my, my checkbook knows what it's talking about too, and so, You've went all in, and some of you've went in all in in some things, and some of the latest fads and phases, if you have kids here, you know the flossing phase. And, oh my gosh, yeah, the side. I, I see a couple sides out there. Kids have gone through different phases, the flossing phase, and if, you're, if you have a little boy, maybe a little girl, they're doing the bottle flipping and stuff like that, or they've went through the Pokemon Go and different things like that. As adults, we, you remember the ice bucket challenge? How many of you did that? And so that was a phase temporarily to try to raise money 
uh, for some, some organization that you're trying to support. And the excitement is temporary, and then we're on to the next thing. The excitement's temporary, and we're on to the next thing. And you know what? We kind of do that in our relationship with God. We come to a place with him where we're, in, we're invested, but we're not all in. We're invested, but we're not all in. We've bought part of the product, we've came to church, we've gotten saved, we've said a prayer, and we've gone back out, and now we've gotta to commit to going on Sundays, and we've gotta to commit to going on Wednesday nights, but you're not fully all in. How many of you know you can be present, but you can't be present? You can be present, but you're not fully all in. And I want us to look, our foundational scripture is gonna be Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, and we're gonna read that together. Kids dismissal. No, it's all right. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's looking at the people sitting around him and some of the lawmakers and the Pharisees, they're looking at Jesus going, okay, they're trying to trip him up. And they're looking at him and they're going, what's the greatest law that you can think of, Jesus? We, you know, our ancestors have almost 700 laws and we have all these dietary laws and, and religious laws, but what's the greatest one that you can think of? And Jesus replied, he said, love the Lord your God with, everybody say it, all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then he goes on, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he looks and he says, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This morning, I want us to talk about three topics that I think if honestly you're gonna go all in in your relationship with the Lord this next year, and I'm here to challenge you, don't wait till January to make a commitment. Don't wait till January to make the commitment. Jessie reminded me the other night, she said, you know, I am so tired of hearing that 2020 has been a bust. 2020 has been a dumpster fire. 2020, I'm ready to get rid of it. I get it, it's been tough. It's been tough for some of you. But a lot of times it's about your perspective. A lot of times it's about your perspective. And the Lord reminded me, he spoke to me back in April. I was praying right when all this pandemic stuff started and churches started shutting down and people started kind of panic on what are we gonna do about church? What are we gonna do about this? What are we gonna do about that? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Brad, I, I, I'm giving you prayer and burden for the church. And I was like, well, okay, that's kind of, you know, I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to pray for my church. He goes, no. He goes, I don't want you to just pray for your church. He said, there are thousands upon thousands of people that attend churches every Sunday that because of this pandemic and even though they can watch it at home, they don't know how to spiritually stand on their own two feet because church has just been a place they attend. And instead of knowing how to be the church, they've just gotten in a habit of going to church. And so I ask you that this morning as we talk about what does it look like to go all in? What does it mean to go all in in your relationship with God? The first thing you gotta ask yourself and the perspective you gotta gain is, where am I currently? In order to know where you're wanting to go spiritually, you gotta know where you are currently. And it's okay to set up, to step back and say, hey, I, I'm not there. I'll admit it. I just go to church because I feel like it's on my checklist to do and that's kind of one of the religious things that God wants me to do. But unfortunately, 
unfortunately, if you're gonna experience the fullness that God has for you and the blessings, as Pastor Brett talks about a lot, that God has for you, you've gotta go all in. So there's three areas, if you're taking notes, there's three areas that I'm gonna go over over the next few minutes about that I think that you need to go all in. The first area is in your giving. In your giving, and I'm, uh, look, I'm not gonna bust you over the head about money. I actually have a couple, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple topics that I wanna talk about giving, and one is time, <clears throat> excuse me, one is talent, and one is your treasure. And let's look just for a second at those. So the first one, if you're gonna go all in and you're giving, you gotta be willing to be committed in your time. And I can tell you as a parent who just left baseball season with my 10-year-old and soccer season with my five-year-old, I have realized that time is very short, time is very busy. If you have kids, even if you don't have kids, if you have a job, whatever it may be, your time is very valuable. But I'm here to tell you, as the scripture says, it's like a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. And I told my wife, we had a conversation a couple months ago um, about a certain topic, and I said, you know what? I said, I, let's make this promise right now. Let's make this promise that regardless if our sons become the best at whatever they're doing, whether it be sports, whatever, that we are not gonna sell out and make an idol of what they're good at. I think you can look at your kids and go, hey, this is important, you're good at this, we're gonna nurture this, but this is not gonna be an idol for our family. Amen. And so you've gotta ask yourself, I can't answer these questions for you, what in your life right now is consuming your time? Not to say you gotta be at church seven days a week, not to say you gotta be praying 24 hours a day, but you gotta ask yourself, in order for you to go all in and decide to make the decision to go all in in your relationship with God, you've gotta evaluate your time. Second thing you gotta do is look at your talents. And are you giving back of your talents for the Lord? Because some of you, if you're not careful, you will become spectators instead of participators. Some of you have become spectators instead of participators. I remember back in January when we first started coming here, Pastor Brett got up one Sunday morning and he casted the vision and showed the vision of how in May that they were gonna receive the offering for the build out of the new facility and all this stuff. And I think one of the things that kind of struck me off guard was, he said, if we're gonna do this and the vision's gonna go forward, we've gotta have people. And I'm pretty sure specifically he looked and he said, here's how many people we're gonna need for these classes. Here's how many people we're gonna need to rock babies and to stay in the nursery and to stay in a kid's class. And you may say, well, that's not really my gifting and that's fine. But I do believe, I do believe that some of you here are gonna move this year from spectators to participators. I believe that. Because I believe that God has gifted in some of you to not, do, to not just sit on a pew and warm a pew, but to be the church instead of just going to church. And I also believe that some of you here are talented in many areas, 
but you've been wounded, you've been hurt, you've went through a trial, you've went through something in 2020 or 2019 or over the past couple weeks or months and you go, Brad, I just need to sit back, I need to rest spiritually and that's fine. But if you are not careful, what will happen is in your healing process and in your mending and restoring process, the devil will come in and he'll go, I need to disconnect you. Because when you get connected in a church, when you get connected to a small group, a life group, when you get connected to a group of people, it drives the enemy crazy because the enemy does not want community. He doesn't want it. He don't want you meeting new people. He don't want you getting up on Sunday mornings and serving in church and doing a kid's class once a month or being in the nursery or volunteering with the youth. Trust me, the youth is difficult. I get it. But I truly believe, and I, I feel like the Spirit wants me to say this to somebody. You're here, and in your process of restoration, I believe that God is gonna speed that process up, and he's gonna accelerate your healing and your restoring, but you gotta get plugged in and served. Whether it be up on stage, whether it be in a classroom, wherever it may be, I believe that your healing and your restoration is going to flow forward by you serving and loving on kids and singing on a stage or dancing or whatever it may be before the Lord, serving in a classroom. I believe that. Do you believe that? The third thing is, in order for you to go all in, I apologize. Y'all are probably like, I wish he'd quit messing with that. And I wish I could quit messing with it too. I have to move my hands. So that's why I don't have a handheld mic. But the third thing is, is your treasure. Scripture says where your treasure is, is where your heart is. You want to know someone's treasure? Look at them. Look at, look, look at what they invest in. Look at where they give their time in. And so your treasure is where your heart is. And I need to ask you this, what are you putting your treasure in? I know when I was 14 years old, I remember my mom, she looked at me when I did my first little job as a lifeguard. She said, this Sunday, she said, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna talk about giving of, the, of your tithe because it's a stewardship. It's a stewardship to God. And I remember thinking out of my little $150 paycheck, I was like, whoa, 10%, like, I, I don't wanna give that, like, that's, that's a lot of money. <laughs> and she said, but Brad, who gave you that job? Who got you that job? And I said, well, the, the Lord gave it to me. And some of you here, I'm just gonna ask you, try the Lord, test it out. I could sit here and quote scripture after scripture about tithing and giving and stewardship on money. And you may say, well, Brad, you don't know that I, we, my husband lost my job and financially it's just tough for us to give and this and that. Let me tell you a perspective about something. I talked to a pastor a couple months ago and he has a mobile church and they have a like satellite locations and stuff. And they've been setting up in gymnasiums and, and, and different places throughout the county that they're in. And I looked at him and I said, I said, why are you continuing to do this? You've been in this seven years. And you're, why don't you look for a permanent location so you don't burn out your volunteers so you don't have to constantly be setting up and tearing down every Sunday? Why are you still doing this? And he said, because our people, only 20% give. 
He said, if I could get 40% to give, he said, we could have a new facility. And is it about a facility? No, it's not. But it is about creating spaces and environments for people to be able to come and be loved on and be served and be nurtured and grow up in a place where there's good worship. And like Pastor said, if you miss Kids Turn, it was the most phenomenal thing I've ever been a part of. It was phenomenal, but we, in order to do stuff like that, I've seen it. I've worked at a church before. I worked in an inner city ministry for three and a half years where we had to financially watch every penny we've spent. And I've worked at a ministry in Charlotte where the facility was phenomenal and not like top notch. And I get it. I get it. So ask yourself this year, if you're shorting God in your finances, you're shorting yourself of the blessings that God has for you. And that's not a prosperity message. That's not a prosperity quote. I'm here to tell you that if you are not giving of your time, your talent, and your treasure, you're shorting yourself of the blessings that God has for you. The third, or the second topic we're going to talk about is praying. I told you we're going to talk about giving, praying, and fasting. Second topic is going to be about prayer. And I'm not going to hit on this real long because pastor has done a phenomenal job about praying through the battle and talking about that over the past couple weeks. But one of the scriptures that I was led to is Daniel 6, chapter 10. And so Daniel was one of the top administrators at his time. And the king had put him above everybody else because he had such wisdom, he had such knowledge. And so what happened is, the individuals that were around him, you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, I'm not gonna repeat it all, but what happened is he basically looked, the people said, hey, we're gonna go for 30 days and if you pray to anybody but our God, we're gonna throw you in the lion's den. And Daniel didn't have to ponder long about this. He says, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And this is the point that I want you to not miss. Just as he had done before. Wanna know why that's so powerful? He didn't wait till a crisis to pray to God. He didn't wait till he had done God himself in trouble. He didn't wait till he had been confronted with a life-altering issue that potentially could have led to his death to go, oh my God, please help me, please help me. But we do that. We do that. We wait until we're in the muck and the mire and we wait until we've screwed it all up, messed it all up, and then we're like, oh God, save me. God, I've messed this up. Or we go, all right, where am I gonna get this help from? I need help, I need help. And Daniel was faithful and he prayed just as he had done before. Daniel made a life out of prayer. But in order, in order to be able to pray, pastor talked about not just talking to God, but listening to God. Listening to God. I need, I, let me, Greg, come here for a minute. I'm gonna use you for example. Just stand up. Do me a favor. I promise this is clean. Put this blindfold on. Do me a favor. Put that over your eyes if you don't mind. I don't want you to see me, okay? Can you see me? This is what prayer needs to look like for some of you. Greg, take three steps forward. Now, Greg, I only want you to listen to my voice no matter what happens over the next couple minutes, okay? Mm -hmm. Just my voice. 
Take two more steps forward. All right, I need you to take your left foot and step up. All right, take your right foot and put it up on the same step. All right, take one more step and put it up. And then come all the way up. I ain't gonna let him fall. I ain't gonna let him, stay right there. Now, if I had went to the back of the sanctuary and I had said, Greg, come find me, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But see, what's happening is with some of you, you're asking God to show you where to go and you're saying, God, if you'll just set it up for me, I'll go. If you'll just set it up for me, if you'll just, if you'll just speak to me and tell me exactly what I need to do, I'll go. And God's going, no, you go and I'll tell you the directions. He's saying, hear my voice. The scripture talks about shepherds and sheep know the shepherd's voice. Greg, take one step to the left. Greg, turn to your right. All right, turn around again. All right, stay right there for a minute. Stay right there for a minute. See, sometimes when things are going on in your life, it's hard to hear the voice of the Lord. But as I'm speaking clearly, he can hear me because he knows my voice. Now, I told him a few minutes ago to only listen to my voice. Tell him to walk to you. Tell him to come over here. Come over here. Come over here. Come Greg, over walk here. one step forward. Over here, Greg. Greg, over one here. step forward. Over here, Greg. Over here. I got you. I got you. Take one step down. No, back Take up. Take another step down. Turn around. And see, when the Lord is speaking to some of you, you've got to be able to discern the voice of the Lord. You've got to know what the Lord sounds like and you've got to trust that the Lord is telling you commands from his scripture because sometimes what will happen is in your prayer is that the Lord will come close to you and guide you and direct you but what happens is the enemy comes just as close and he's going, Greg, go forward. Greg, don't do that. Actually, go ahead and do that. He's telling you all kinds of stuff. And if you are not able to discern what the Lord's voice is, and how do you do that? You do that by praying and you do it by listening. Some of you are struggling right now because you're not in his word, reading the commands of his word. And therefore, you don't know how to hear the voice of the Lord. Greg, take one step forward. Take another step forward. Turn to your right. All right, Greg, there's an obstacle in front of you. Take your left foot up. You feel it? Take your left foot up. Don't put it on it. Take your left foot up and put it over it. You know how I'm... You're right. I'm off balance. Hold up. You Take your left foot up and put it over it. No, don't put it on it. Put it over. There you go. I can't see. I can't see. 
Now, I don't want her precious phone crushed, so I'm going to put that back. (laughs) But sometimes when you're hearing the voice of the Lord, even when you stumble, you recognize the touch of the Lord because the Lord's right there with you. And you know what else happens? You know what else happens? When you can't see and the Lord seems a million miles away, you know what he does? Come here, brother. He brings people along the way. Turn around, Greg. To be your armor bearer and to hold him up. Don't let him fall. And then he brings more people along the way to be on the other side of him. Come on. And he knows that you can be attacked from behind, so he brings people behind you. Put your hands right there on him. And then he surrounds you again, and he brings people in front of you. Put your hands on him. I want you to follow him. Go, walk. And see how the Lord moves. Stop. You can take that off. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. And so you've got to be able to discern the voice of the Lord. And the only way you can do that is to pray and to listen. To pray and to listen. I'm a really good talker and I like to talk to the Lord, but I'm guilty of not listening. And sometimes my biggest mistakes is because the Lord said, I was right here the whole time. You didn't listen. I didn't even need to yell. I was just whispering to you. So if you're going to go all in, you got to know the voice of the Lord. You got to be hungry for it. You got to be willing to say, God, I'll do whatever it takes to hear your voice. And the third component in order to go all in, to hear the voice of the Lord, to be able to go all in in your relationship with God this year is I'm going to challenge you to fast. I get it. This is not something maybe some of you have never heard of. Maybe you've heard it talked about but maybe you've never done it. But I'm here to tell you, when I was 19 years old, I remember going to my job at Randolph Park in Dublin one morning in the summer. And my director, my parks and rec director, every morning on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, my granny, who was in her 80s at the time, she would often feed me breakfast every Tuesday and Tuesday and Wednesday morning, and she had a ton of leftovers. And so I took those leftovers for a couple weeks at a time, to our parks and rec director, and I told him, I said, hey, I've got some leftovers, here you go. Well, one day I was cleaning out his office, and I found the leftovers in the trash with the aluminum foil, and I'm gonna tell you, you don't throw granny's leftovers away. Her, her cooking was good, her breakfast was even better. And I walked up to him, I said, I was cleaning your trash out, you threw all that food away, and he said, I need to talk, and I said, okay. He said, I feel like the Lord is calling me to fast and I knew nothing about fasting and I don't have time to go through all of it. But I asked him, I said, well, you know, what is fasting? And he sat down with me and he said, I'm gonna go through a couple people that fasted in the scripture. And he said, I'm gonna tell you why I'm fasting. And he started out and I have the notes written here. He said, Moses fasted when he was going up to receive the 10 commandments. This was a monumental moment in Moses' life and in the history of the scripture. Daniel fasted because he needed a vision for his country to hear the Lord. David fasted, get this, David fasted for Saul and the death of Jonathan. If anybody knows about the story between David and Saul, guess what? Saul 
hated him for a period of time, was jealous of him, and he fasted for somebody that hated him. And Jesus fasted in the desert when he was tempted. We see in the scripture that the early church fasted when they were appointing elders and enduring trials. And so I'm here to tell you, we also see in Mark 9, pastor, I told him coming up, he's about to preach my sermon, but also in Matthew 17, the disciples are coming to Jesus and they look at him and they go, there's this boy and this dad and he's just been convulsing violently on the floor and they can't get him to stop and he's demon possessed. And Jesus lays his hands on him and the demon comes out of him. And Jesus turns and very simply looks at the disciples and he goes, and the disciples said, well, we, we prayed for him. Why, why did that not work? And he said, these things only come out by prayer and fasting. And so I'm challenging you this morning when we give and we pray and we fast, it's an act of worship that tells God we want more of him than we do of money, than we do of possessions, and than we do of approval of people. Isaiah talks about fasting real quick, and we're gonna look at that scripture. Isaiah 58, verses six through 12. He says, this is what true fasting is. Isaiah prophesied and said, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen for you? to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. He says, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Let me, be, let me, let me say this real quick. You've got some people on, on Monday that you're gonna go in the office that aren't gonna like you because you, how you voted and you're not gonna like them because how they voted. But I'm here to tell you, this is what true fasting is. When you take care of the poor and the needy and the broken and the hurting, when you visit the in prison, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 25. He says, the only time we ever see it in the scripture, Jesus says, if you don't do these things, you cannot enter my kingdom. Look it up. The only time we ever see in scripture where Jesus is so certain that he says, if you don't do these things, you can't enter my kingdom. He said, well, Brad, I don't really live near no poor people. I don't really know of any naked people walking around the streets of Withful. But there are people in your job and in your neighborhood and even in your family that God's calling you to reach out to. But you can't do that if you're not willing to go all in. I remember fasting in, I think it was 2003. And I went on a 21-day fast. I'm not saying you should necessarily do that, but I want to give you an example here. And I remember God had called me to move to Atlanta in October of 2005. And in that summer, the Lord said, Brad, I just want you to fast one meal a day. For seven days. I said, okay, I can do that. That was tough. It was tough for me. Didn't really understand why I was doing it. And the Lord said, I want you to be more hungry for me than you are of food. That's why you're doing it. Because we see in the scripture that when people fasted, chains were loosed. Bondages were broken. People were set free. And guess what? Nations 
were restored. Let me say that again. Nations were restored. And so I fasted in 2005 and I remember I was moving to Atlanta that October and I knew what my budget was. The ministry, the inner city ministry that was gonna pay me didn't have that much of a budget. They said, Brad, if you wanna come, I can pay you $6,000 a year. I'd graduated two years of college. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I heard the Lord telling me, Brad, move to Atlanta. Inner city of Atlanta, 99.9% African-American. That didn't bother me, but it was the highest homeless population per capita in the state of Georgia. The highest crime capita in the state of Georgia. Let me interject this. If God's calling you to do something radical and it doesn't seem like it makes sense, it's probably God and you probably ought to do it. It's probably God and you probably ought to do it. And so I moved to the inner city of Atlanta and I remember thinking, God, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm totally out of my element here. And three and a half years later, when we left, because God had called us to move to Charlotte and work, I had people, and I don't say this to brag on me, I say it to brag on God. I had people lined up from homeless person to millionaire to somebody that had tried to stab me, that, or to, that had pulled a knife in our feeding line, all the way to the back of the sanctuary. I had kids who would traffic drugs to school because if they didn't, their uncle or their dad would beat them half to death. And I had them lined around the sanctuary and they said, Brad saved my life. Brad was willing to get in the gutter with me. Brad was willing to feed my family who was poor. He was willing to come into the project homes that we were living in where my family were rats and mosquitoes and some of the nastiest stuff you've ever seen. And sit on a couch and just hand somebody some baby diapers for their baby. Serving God's not difficult. Loving people's not difficult. You just sometimes got to be willing to hear the voice of the Lord and go, hey, your neighbor needs some food. I missed it. I missed it this past week. My neighbor who's unsaved lived on one side of me. He's in his 70s. And I hadn't seen him out for a while. And the Lord just kept pressing on me to go by and go by. And I just, one thing after another, one excuse after another. And I had to apologize to him when I did see him out because his wife had had surgery and I missed it. I missed the opportunity just to go up and love on and pray with him. I've missed it. But I'm challenging you this morning. Some of you are here and I'm worried a little bit about what God's gonna have to do to get your attention in order for you to go all in. Because he will. God is a pursuer of his children. He wants you to have an intimate relationship with him. And even just like we use the example of Greg, even when we don't see him, when we don't feel him, when you've went through a season, you may say, Brad, 2020 has been absolute hell. I've went through this, my husband and I've went through that, or I've dealt with this or whatever it is. I'm telling you that this morning, God loves you and he wants you to go all in with him. But in order to do that, you've got to ask yourself, am I giving up my time, my talent, my treasure? Am I praying? 
And I believe that somebody here, God's been dealing with you about fasting to see more of him. Let's pray. Father God, we are hungry for more of you. We want to know you. We want to see your face. And God, I pray that you will let some people here this morning evaluate their lives, evaluate their relationship with you right now and say, what do I need to do to go all in? What do I need to do to go all in with you? And I believe this morning that over the next couple hours this evening and today and tonight, I believe, Lord, that you're gonna reveal to some of these people what needs to die in their lives, what needs to be set aside and what needs to be done in order for them to go all in with you. And I don't believe it's going to be hard or confusing. I just believe you're going to say, you need to do this. You need to give up this. I believe this morning God is calling some people to serve in this church, to serve in their community, to serve their neighbors, to love them unconditionally, regardless of what happens over the next couple weeks or months or years, regardless of it, Lord. I believe that when people fully go all in, as some people today here are going to do, and are going to make that decision, I believe, Holy Spirit, you are just going to open up your floodgates, God, and you're just going to pour into them and they're going to lead people to Jesus and they're going to see their neighborhood saved and they're going to see people in their jobs saved and they're going to see people healed in the name of Jesus at their jobs or in their neighborhoods or wherever it may be. Father God, we are hungry for more of you. And so let us see your face. Let us hear your voice and let us die to our flesh. Jesus. Amen. So just bow your heads just for a second. Maybe you need to make that inner vow that you're going to go all in with God. Quit holding back. Because He wants it all. He does want it all. You know, I was a teenager and in church and the preacher said you need to love God more than you do your mama you know what he said you need to be hungry for God more than you do for food and I said you got to be kidding my mama takes care of me but you know that's the way God set it up your parents to take care of you and they're always pointing to God we take care of you because God told us to he set up the family and now you need to look to God and love him more than you do your parents and you need to be hungry for him more than food I want you to make that vow to yourself and I want you to press, start pressing in. We do a 21-day fast in January for the new year just to hear God, but maybe you need to start now. You know, you let God lead you. But you need to let God lead you right now to make a commitment. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today's the day to get saved. Will you give your heart to Him? That's you. Would you just lift your hand and say, pray with me, I'm making that commitment. Anybody, maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you need to come all in. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see your hand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to do an all-in commitment because that's everybody. We just, oh, I always say we, there's more. What you find out when you fast that you're not going to die you can live just being hungry 
Come on. So, Father, we just thank you for commitments today. Lord, I, I believe that everybody raised their hand. They know you. They're just recommitting their life to you totally. But, Father, the rest of us, we commit our lives to you totally. We're all in. We're all in. No matter what happens, we're all in. We're going to seek your face. We're going to seek your voice. And we're going to fast to do it with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength in our inner man. And we thank you that you meet us. You said you would. Those that draw close to you, you would draw close that you're waiting. Every step we take, you, step, you take a step towards us. You've already made the biggest step. You sent your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we just open our hearts, come in every room in our house. In Jesus' name, amen.